Hi, I'm Pastor Nick with Grace Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us in our online service. If you're interested, we also offer in-person service every Sunday morning at 1030. We have Wednesday night activities for youth, kids, and college age every Wednesday at 6 o'clock. And there's food there. So, now, let's see what the pastor has to say. That love lived out in their lives. We thank God for the message of salvation that he has shared with us through his son, Jesus Christ. And we praise God for the presence that is ours in him. Paul knew and experienced that kind of love and knew what it meant. And he sought to share that message with everyone he saw, including the people we're going to talk about this morning. A Roman governor named Festus, again, a Herodian king, and his wife Bernice. He shared with them the message that is his, his personal testimony of what Jesus Christ had done in his life and how his life had begun, changed, and would be forever. That is our testimony. That's a testimony that you can share. I want you to listen to Paul and his message with me this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts 26, beginning in verse 15. What has happened now is that Paul has these three people. Uh, they, re they think that Paul is the captive at this point, but I'm here to tell you that they are Paul's captives because he's about to share with them the message of salvation that he's experienced in Jesus Christ. Listen to what he says. Then I ask, who are you, Lord? This is right after Paul, not right after, this is many years after Paul has met Jesus person to person on that road, the Damascus road, that many of us have experienced too. A similar situation where we meet Jesus and he talks to us face to face. We know we have him because we experience that love that he shared with us. And we know it because we see and hear his voice throughout his word of his love for us. But this is exactly what happened to Paul. And now he's about to share with these three people who have no idea what he's talking about, the message of salvation that he found in Jesus Christ. He continues, Jesus said these words, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I've appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness to what you have seen of me and what I will show you. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending them to you, sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among all those who are sanctified by faith in me. Please join with me in prayer. Father, we thank you again this morning uh, for the message of a personal testimony shared for you of the change that you've brought in one individual's life. Uh, Paul's not any different than any of us that are in this room or any of us that are listening to this message sometime later. The truth is, Father, we have to have that personal encounter. We have to have that opportunity where we come to see and meet you and you speak to us of the love that you have for us. And then, Father, we claim that hope. We claim that life and we claim that relationship in you that is the source of our salvation. It's our hope. It's a message that we sing boldly, and we've heard it 
this morning, countless times here, this morning of what it means to know you. And I pray each of us would look deep within our hearts to see if we've ever had that time in our lives where we claim Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We thank you for that love, and we thank you for the offer, for it comes to us through your Son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Uh, the message of what it means for us to be in Jesus Christ is that we're each called to responsibility in him. Uh, that our lives are changed and that people do see the results that come in us. People ought to recognize a change that's come in us when we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We are not the same people. Paul tells us this, we are new creatures and we are made in his likeness. We don't look like the old self. Our lives should be changed. Now, there's a song from 1957. I know most of you in this room are not old enough to remember anything from 1957, but it was sung by a group called the, it, this is a very poignant song. I want you to be very serious on it. A very poignant song. It speaks to us about what it means to know and understand the responsibilities that are ours. These are the words. Sha-na-na-na-na. Sha-na-na-na-na. Sha-na-na-na-na, sha-na-na-na-na. Dip, 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 dip. Mm-mm-mm, mm 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 And anybody in the room, room that remembers the rest of it will remember these words. Get a job. That's the message. That's the message I believe God has for each one of us who are here today, who are believers. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, my prayer would be this would be the time that you come to know that hope. But for every one of us in this room that has made that commitment and trusted Jesus Christ with all our hearts, with all our souls, with all our minds, with everything we have, and believe that God sent him on this earth for me, for you, for each one of us, that we would experience eternal life through him. Jesus calls us, in this passage, specifically, he calls Paul, he says, get to work. Get to work. Now, I'm not talking about a job that you get paid for. I'm not talking about a job that is from 8 to 5. I'm talking about a way of life. That's what we talked about earlier, that our lives are changed by that personal relationship we have with Jesus, life, Jesus Christ. And our lives are changed, and no matter what we're doing in our vocation, whether we're a school teacher or a cashier or a mom or a dad or an electrical worker, it doesn't make any difference what we're doing. That people see Jesus Christ alive and living through us. That's what Paul has just shared with Festus and Agrippa and with Bernice. Three people who have no interest in hearing that message, but Paul still shared it. Why? Because it's a testimony of the new life that he has in Jesus Christ. And he is called by Jesus to share that message faithfully. And each one of us have that same responsibility to be about doing it. There are things that Christ calls each of us to do. It may be, we had 20, I don't know if you noticed this morning, this is a praise God. We had 20 people in the choir this morning, not including Robert. However, if you're here this morning, and you feel that God's leading you to be in the choir, I guarantee you none of the choir members that are out here would deny you an opportunity to be up there with them. And what you can do is you can talk to Robert immediately following the service today. And you can say, you know what? You can talk to Cindy. Cindy will point you to the right direction. I guarantee you that. Robert, I'd like to be in the choir. 
I'd like to sing with that group that's up there. And then you listen to God's call. You remember not Robert's call, not Bob's call, God's call as he calls you. You think about the students and where they were this week, this weekend. I'm looking at several bleary-eyed adults who are out here today that spent the time with how many? Fifteen? Fifteen teenage boys. Yeah, that ought to be a praise God, all right? Number one, it ought to be a praise God, as Nick said, that they didn't, none of them died. Everything, nobody got hurt. Everybody had a good time. But you know what they did during that time? It's one thing to go camping. It's another thing to have an opportunity with a bunch of 15-year-old boys to share with them the love of Jesus Christ. And God's calling, it may be God's calling you this morning, saying, I need you to do that. Talk, I'm looking for Bill. I know he's out here someplace. Talk to Bill. We've got two vans. My prayer is that in the coming days that we'll get another van, that we'll have three vans, that we can reach more people. But if you're interested in serving God through driving the vans to pick up those students that are here on Wednesday, uh, anybody know how many we had here? I'm looking for Karen Kim. Uh, anybody know how many we had here Wednesday night? I'm looking. I'm looking. Nobody gives me an answer. I saw a good many students here, a good many uh, that were back with us again. If you're interested in working with our student ministry, with the children and with the youth, God is maybe calling you. We need to be listening. And he says, get a job. Answer that call. Don't wait for somebody else to do the job that God's called you to. It doesn't make any difference what the responsibility is. The board that we have out here, Nick's already alluded to that. It's not about just putting pins in a map. It's about sharing our faith and our testimony with people that do not know the love of Jesus Christ. That is what we are about. And what Paul says, he makes it real clear. Paul tells Bernice and he tells Festus and he tells Agrippa the same words that Jesus shared with him. If you'll look, you'll see him. What does he say? Jesus tells Paul, get up off the ground. There are too many times in our lives where we feel like we're knocked down, drug out, and nothing's going to work the way that we think it should be. And what Jesus constantly tells us and reminds us to do is to get up, is to get up off our knees. There's a reason that Jesus is telling uh, Paul that, because Paul didn't have anything to do but to be on his knees before Jesus. Do you remember what he said? Jesus told him, Paul, Paul, why are you kicking the goads? Why are you persecuting me? And all of a sudden, Paul realized his whole life had been built on a lie. That you got to Jesus, you got to God through doing good things, by knowing all the rules, by experiencing them. And what was Jesus' message? No. Jesus says, it's about knowing me. God sent me that you might have eternal life. God sent me that you might know God personally through me. And he does the same thing in your lives and mine. As we who are believers are about sharing that hope that he's given us. Are you about doing that? Are you taking that message in such a way to the world that they see and they hear and they know Jesus Christ through your personal testimony? I'm looking at Ron shaking his head over here, our chairman of deacons. You know what? Ron's a little taller than I am. Uh, Ron's been in Evansville almost his whole life. But guess what? We look, we, we have the same hairdo. 
Ron, uh, we have some guests here. Raise your hand up, all right, so everybody can see, all right? Ron has the same hairdo I do. But you know what? We have two completely different testimonies. Have you ever thought of that? Your testimony, believer, if you're here today, is completely different than anyone else's in this room. It is your testimony. What is Paul, whose testimony? Does he share Peter's testimony? How Jesus called Peter? No. Does he share any of the other disciples' testimonies? No, he shares his own testimony of how <clears throat> Jesus Christ had changed his life completely. There's the thing. If you look at your life this morning and there's absolutely no change and everything is just the way it's always been, you better stop just a second and listen to Jesus and hear him saying, Bob, Bob, why are you kicking against the goads? Why are you not listening to me? Why aren't you doing what I'm supposed to be, what you're supposed to be doing? There's a message that God has for each of us, and that would be that we would be about doing what he's called us to. And he's called us to responsibility. Real quickly, I've told you before, I, I worked at the Fort Worth Convention and Visitors Bureau uh, for about eight years, I suppose, when we were in Dallas or Fort Worth. <clears throat> 22 employees, three males in that group. The rest were ladies. We had one of those, kind of like the jugs we have out here. I think they weigh about 35 or 40 pounds. I had one job to be sure I need, needed to do, and that was to take one of those jugs when it got down low and replace it because none of the women wanted to do it, and it was like Bob's job. You know what my job was not? My job was not to put those little pointy cups in a little thing, all right? Anybody could do that. Anybody could do that. But what happened? Nobody did that. Why? Because it was no one's responsibility and as the body of Christ, as Grace Baptist Church, if we look around and wonder why things don't get the way done the way we think they should, it may be what God's calling us to do is to be that answer. That we're going to do what God has called us to do for Him. Not for the church, not for the pastor, not because somebody asked me, but we do it for His glory. We do it for His honor because Christ has called us out of the love that is His. And He... And in doing so, we seek to obey him. And we seek to share that hope that is ours, that the world might see and know that Jesus Christ is truly Lord of our lives. Uh, <clears throat> that is what happened with Paul. And I think it's coincidental that he's standing before these three pagans, and that's what they all are, all right? Even though we're going to say that we're going to say Agrippa and Bernice at least had that background. We know Festus didn't. No background, no information, no knowledge of what it means to know a loving God that cares for us. Why do you think God sent them, sent Paul, that is, to those three people? How else were they going to hear? Who else was going to give them that opportunity? How many opportunities has God given you this past week, this past week, to share your faith with someone? with one individual who came to you and really needed some help, looking for answers, looking for directions. How many times has that happened in your life this week? How many times have you shared your faith? I look at that all the time. I, would share, I want to share a real quick story. This was from over at Covert not long ago. We were talking about impacting our neighborhood and doing things. You know what happened to me? 
I had just been talking to the church about what it means to share our faith personally uh, at a worship service prior to this. And I was leaving the building, and as I left, I saw a young man sitting on the outdoor steps, stoop. He was standing there, just all by himself. I had a place I needed to be. I needed to go home because it was time to eat. And Karen was expecting me. I'd already called her to tell her I was coming. And I saw that man sitting on our stoop down there, and I thought, I don't have time for this. I'm going home to eat. And I got in the truck or the van, and I started it up, and I started to back it up, and all of a sudden I thought, what have you just spent the last six hours talking to people about, about sharing their faith, and what are you about to do, about to drive off and leave this young man sitting there? An hour and a half later, the young man left. But we talked about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We talk about what it means to recognize that the difficulties that life brings to us can be overwhelming. We talked about the hope that we can have in a Savior who is with us always, no matter what the circumstance, will always love us, will always be there, will always share that presence that's His with us. That's not to say I'm a great guy because it would have been just as easy for me. I'm not telling you about all the times I've driven off. It's so easy for us to miss that message. What is, Paul, what is Paul's command from Jesus? Get up. Get up off your knees. Get up. Is prayer important? You better believe it. Paul does that all the time and calls us to. But he also calls us to go. That is the message that Jesus shares with us in Acts 1.8. How does it work? By now you ought to know it. And when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We are called to share that message. And we're called to do it because Christ has commanded us to do that. The message of his love is to be seen and lived out in our lives. We're to experience that. We're to have it. But secondly, we, we have to remember who it is that's sending us out. Sure not the preacher. When we're kneeled at the cross together, when we're there as the body of Christ standing before his goodness and his, his love for us, it's easy for us to forget what things are about and who sends us and what ideas people have for us about things that we should and shouldn't be doing. Paul shared a testimony, his testimony, with these three people, uh, but it was his personal testimony. I love the message that is in Acts 19. Uh, this is an event uh, that we see the sons of Sceva, you remember that, that name? Some of you will know who that is and know what the circumstances were. But they were going around. There was a, a chief priest or a high priest that had shared that message. Uh, uh, they were his sons, seven. There were seven of them. And they were going around driving out, seeking to drive out, evil demons from people's lives. And in this one instance, what happens, uh, this is about verse 13, if you're in Acts 19, if you're looking at it. Uh, what happens is, is the demon says this. He says, I know Jesus, and I've heard of Paul, but believers, he asked each of us this morning, he says, but who are you? Who are you? And then the man that was demon-possessed proceeded to jump on the seven sons of Sceva, and he beat them up. And they ran out naked because he just ripped them all over the place. 
When we try to do things on our own, through our own power, through our own ability, we forget completely the command that is Jesus for each of us in Acts 1-8. We forget that first part, and we think about who we are and what we'll do. We'll be witnesses. Where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. How does it begin in Acts 1-8? And when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall be my witnesses. That word is the Greek word martyrus. You know what it sounds like? It's exactly the same word, martyr, that we have died to self and we live for Christ. Are you doing that? Are you taking that life that Christ has given you and using it in such a way that the world sees and knows that the message you proclaim is not your message? It's not about, is this a great church? Is this a great church facility? Do we have lots of great people? Do we have a great choir? Do we have all the things, a great youth program? We've got all these things going for us. But the message that we share isn't about the greatness of what we've done, but what God has done for us through his one and only Son. That is to be our focus, that is to be our aim, and that is the message that Paul shared clearly with the three people who were before him. Never to forget, never to forget the message and where it's come from. Our most effective tool in sharing our faith is talking about that personal relationship. I, we, we could have a time of testimony. I could ask people to come up here. I guarantee you, you would be overwhelmed by some of the truths that people would share with you on how they came to know Jesus Christ and what happened to them. And the change that Jesus Christ came, brought into their lives. I was one of the easy ones. My parents were both devout believers. My parents talked to me about that personal relationship with Jesus Christ and shared with me faithfully what it meant to know him as Lord and Savior. They, we prayed together. We read the scripture together. We did all those things together. And then we went to church together on a regular basis as we live together as a family given to the Lord. Now, is that the idyllic picture that most of you have come from? I guarantee you it's probably not many of us in this room. I've heard some of your testimonies, and I know the truth of where some of you are and what you've gone through and the trials that you've had. It's not easy. It's difficult. But the true hope comes when we recognize it's Jesus that's calling us. And we think about what he's gone through. We think about the life that he's given for us. We think about the sacrifice that he demonstrated and the call that each of us are to do the same, to live as he did, <coughs> excuse me, to share that message. But the hope comes also to us in the second part of that message. Look at verse 16. He says, now stand up and get on your feet. And look what he says with the rest of this. I've appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and a witness to what you've seen of me and what I'll show you. It's the what you've seen and what's coming ahead. Do you know what's coming ahead of you if you're in Jesus Christ? Do you know what that personal relationship with you means? It means that you have the promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ. For just as Jesus was raised from the dead, so you and I who are believers in him we'll have that same hope, and we have that same life, and that same relationship. That's the past and the present. 
that we're able to deal with those circumstances that come our way, those things that we think are so overwhelming that we could never deal with them. We don't know what to do. We don't know where to go, and we don't know how to do it. We need to remember who it is that's by our side through it all. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. I love you. I care for you, and I want you to know that. Never forget it, Paul says. Never forget that. And that is why he shares this with these three unbelievers, because he confirms that Jesus Christ has never, never left him. Where is Paul headed? Do you realize that? Paul knows that. Remember when we were back in chapter 20, and he called the church in Ephesus to come see him? Those elders, why did he want to do that? Because he knew he needed to get to Jerusalem. Guess where he is? He is in Jerusalem now. He is where he was supposed to go. Where is he headed? He is headed to Rome and to face martyrdom witnessing there. That is the truth of where we're to live in our faith. That we are appointed by Jesus. We are called by Jesus but we are also empowered by Jesus. The things that Paul said, the gifts that he showed and demonstrated are all reflective of the power of Jesus living through his life. He says in verse 17 again, he says, And I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles where I'm sending you to them. Was Paul just going on a trip? Sometimes people think that that's what Paul's trips are all about. Just going on a trip to see the scenery in these cities? No. What does he say? What was Paul's motives? Every place he went, the first place he looked for was, is there a synagogue in this town? If there's not a synagogue, is there a meeting place in this town? And what did he do? He went to see those who might have some idea about who the Christ was and the change that he brought in his life. And then he gave testimony to that. He even did it, think about that, he even did it in Athens. He did it in that city that's so pagan it couldn't be any more pagan. And what does he say? I see that you worship lots of gods here. There are gods all over the place, but I want to tell you about one that's right over here. This temple, this shrine is built for the God that you don't know. Because you don't want to leave anybody out. I'm here to tell you about that. This is a God I know. This is a God that's changed my life. This is a God that's made me whole. This is a God that loves me and cares for me and has given me life. But what do we do? This is what Bob does. I look at what I can't do, and I think about those things that I'm unable to do, and I'm not qualified to do what God's called me to. If you have your Bibles, open to Exodus chapter 3. Real quick, we'll get through these real fast. Sometimes in my life, I think about all the things that I can't do, and I'm just like Moses. What did Moses say in Exodus 3.11? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Do you remember what God said to him? Exodus 3.12, and God said, I'll be with you. I don't know enough. Look at Exodus 3.13. Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your forefathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? I don't even know what to call you, God. Then what shall I tell them? God gives an answer to him. Look in verse 14. God said this, 
I am who I am. This is what you're saying to the Israelites. I am sent you. God says that's enough. You don't need to know anything else about who I am. You just know that I was before there was a was, all right? Everything that's made, I've made. I'm the God of eternity. I am who I am. And Moses said in verse, chapter 4, verse 1, nobody will believe me. Look at what he says. What if they don't believe me or don't listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Remember what God said to him? Then God said this. Then the Lord said to him, what's in your hand? Throw it down on the ground. Real quickly, I want you to be sure if you remember what happens, what's he have in his hand? He has a staff in his hand. What's he do with that staff? He does exactly what God told him to do. What did Jesus tell him to do? Get up. In God's case, he said, throw it down. And Moses had what he thought was the source of strength for him, and he threw it down, and God demonstrated to him. It wasn't about the staff, because the staff became a snake. And then it turned back into a snake when he picked it up by the tail. Excuse me, a staff when he picked it up by the tail. And then God said, here, wait a minute. I'm a little afraid to do this. God made choose to demonstrate this morning. Remember what he did? Put your hand into your robe. What happens when Moses pulls it out? He's got leprosy, all right? I look like I've got a crooked little finger. God didn't heal that at this time, all right? But, but the message was, now, put your hand back in there. What happens? What was God doing? God was trying to tell Moses the same thing he's telling us. He's the one that makes the difference. It's not the things that we have. It's not the stories that we tell. It's, be careful on this one. It's not even... The Bible that we know, we kind of talked about this a little bit in Sunday school. We can get messed up on what God's truth says if we're not careful, if we're not listening, if we're not abiding by it, if we're not spending time in it. But the message is that the things of this world that we think are essential to us, God says, I don't need those things. He uses the Bible. The Bible is the source of truth. He takes that truth and he puts it where? Where does he want it? He doesn't want it in our hands. He wants it in our hearts. Thy, there you go. You know, I don't need to quote that to you. What? Thy word have I hid in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against you. God's word is the source of our hope. But Moses didn't understand that. God wasn't through with him yet. Two more. Listen to what he says now. This is the same thing that goes on every day in churches all around the nation. Look at Exodus, look at Exodus uh, 4.13. But Moses said, oh Lord, please send someone else to do it. We had friends in Illinois who were missionaries and had been missionaries, are you ready for this? In Russia, China, Korea, Vietnam, uh, I, 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 too many other places. Shelby, Jack and Eva Shelby. I'm looking over here. <laughs> Jack and Eve of Shelby. You know what they used to say when, when somebody quoted this scripture to you? And, and who shall go for us? You know what they said? Send Scott. Lord, send Scott, our son. We want Scott to do it. We're not going to do it. God, you take Scott and send him. How many times in our lives do we do that? Lord, take Sandy. Let Sandy go. Let Sandy be the one that does this. Let Mark be the one that do, does it. Let somebody else do it. Just don't send me. 
It's interesting, if you look in the rest of that passage, you'll see, and that's in Exodus chapter 4, you'll see what happens. God got angry with Moses at this point. Remember what he did? He said, here comes your brother Aaron. He'll talk for you. God calls us to recognize that he seeks to use us, but he calls us to serve him. And he's calling each of us that are in this room who are believers this morning to do what he's called us to do. I thank God for the fact I don't know what God's called you to do, but Paul understood what it meant to recognize that it wasn't about Paul. If you have your Bibles, open to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 through 10. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power, just as Jesus speaking here, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may be, may be resting on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and in insults and in hardship and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. There's a call for us to recognize that Jesus Christ is the one who calls us. It's necessary for us to recognize that Jesus the Christ is the one who provides us with the ability to do what he's called us to do. And then here's the point that he makes. He calls each of us to be eye-openers. Look at Acts 26, verse 17 through 18. Jesus says this to Paul, I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. That's a pretty simple message, isn't it? That's a message of why Christ and where Christ is sending you. Believer, that's what he's sending you to do. But they won't believe me. They don't, they don't think what I'm telling them is the truth. God says, I, what does Jesus tell us? He says, I am the truth. He makes it abundantly clear that the truth is not through what we say, but through what God has said. And the message of that is to be lived out in our lives in such a way that the world sees it. It is so easy for us to overlook the responsibilities that we have. And the things that we say and the things that we do give testimony to what kind of hearts and lives that we're seeking to open. Helen Keller, 1880. 1887, somebody showed up in her life, Annie Sullivan. That woman spent 49 years with that deaf, blind girl. Did you know that she was, the Helen Keller was the first woman to receive a college degree for a deaf, blind person? The reason was because Annie Sullivan was there to open her eyes, to help her see the darkness that was there. Do you think that Paul thought that Festus was living his life in darkness? I do. Do you think that he believed that King Agrippa and Bernice were living their lives in darkness? I do. And that is why he shares with them the testimony of what Christ has called him to do. And that is to share that hope, to share that faith, that they might see and understand the love that he has for him, for them individually, that they might see in his life and in his testimony the hope that was his. There's a song that we don't sing much anymore, but uh, it's a song that's important to me. 
Uh, I remember this, and I'm, I'm going to look at the words so I don't mess it up. I should have given it to Nick. He could have put it up for you. How's this sound? We have a story to tell to the nation, shall turn their hearts to the right. A story of truth and mercy, a story of peace and light. A story of peace and light. For the darkness shall turn to dawning, and the dawning to noonday bright. And Christ's great kingdom shall come on earth, the kingdom of love and light. You think the person that wrote those words knew this passage? Do you think they understood the message that Paul was seeking to share with Festus and Bernice and Agrippa? Christ seeks to use you if we'll offer our lives to him in such a way that we're ready to do whatever he calls us to. God may be calling you this morning. You may be here this morning and not have any idea what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Jesus called Simon Peter. What did he say? He said, come, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. What did he do? What did he do with Matthew? You know what Matthew's name was? Anybody remember? His name was Levi. He changed his name, didn't he? Just like he did Peter. Because there was a change that came in Matthew's life, a tax collector, and he became a disciple of Jesus. Another tax collector. How about Zacchaeus? Jesus is walking down a road. What does he do? He looks up in the tree, and he says, Zacchaeus, I won't do it, <laughs> come down, because I have to go eat with you today. I'm going to your house. Remember what happened with Zacchaeus? I'm going to give I'm going to give half of everything I have back to the poor. Everything. And those people that I've cheated, I'm going to give them four times back what I cheated them out of. Jesus said to the people that would listen there, those Pharisees who were listening and watching and thinking, he says this, today salvation has come to this house because someone's eyes were open. My prayer would be that for somebody here this morning whose eyes have been closed for all these years of your life, that you would understand what it means to have your eyes opened and know that God loves you so much that he gave his one and only son to die on Calvary's cross for you. If you're a believer here today and you're looking and trying to figure out what God would have you do, chances are you already know what God would have you do. Just answer the call. Do what he's called you to. See that and recognize it as something that is yours and claim it in the name of Jesus Christ. Please join with me in prayer. We thank you, Father, this day, this morning, for the love that you have for us and for the hope you seek to place in our lives. Thank you for the fact, Father, it is not something that is forced upon us, but something that is offered to us, a free gift that you've shared with us of eternal life, a message of hope, a message of light, a message that changes our lives from darkness to light and life because of what Christ can do through us. My prayer would be that you would help each of us this morning uh, to open our eyes. And once those eyes are open, Father, that you would help us to recognize what it means to share that hope with other people and that we would give testimony to the hope that you placed in our lives just as Paul did with Festus and Bernice and with Agrippa. For our world is full of lost people who are desperately searching for the light. 
And we know where that light lays. It lays in your son, Jesus. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to another service with Grace Baptist Church. If you would like to contact us, all of our information is available on our website, gbcevansville.org. You can also contact us through all of our various social media accounts. Or you could just give us a call. We'd love to hear from you.